Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the mental health podcast that's changing the discussion one voice at a time. Featuring guests that will help end the stigma and keep talking mental health. And now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Yeah, thanks for tuning in today. Um, we're happy to have you. Uh, man, August is almost over, huh? Yeah. It's crazy. It's the 22nd day of August in the year of our Lord, 2020. Yeah, it's hard, hard to believe. <laughs> Every time I do that year, year of our Lord thing, you shake your head. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> a, not a fan of that. It cracks me up. Yeah. Um, so this is a particularly exciting weekend if you're a nerd, <clears throat> such as myself. Um, so as you guys know, with all of the fun and hijinks that we've experienced this year with uh, COVID-19, you know, things have gotten canceled left and right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you name it, it's been canceled or brought back as some kind of weird rendition of itself. Exactly. So this year, uh, an event that is near and dear to my heart is uh, that's been canceled is San Diego Comic Con. Um, that's kind of a bummer because a lot of different uh, projects, movies, TV shows, you name it, get announced, get shown. It's it's a nerd free for all. It's you know if you're a fanboy, you're a comic book geek, what have you. It's like the be all end all. And you know, regrettably, I have not yet been there, but it is my goal to one day before we die to actually go. That said, there is starting today at 1 p.m. Eastern for yeah, just enough time to listen to us and then and switch over. over. Yeah. Um, DC Comics is doing something called DC Fandom, which is a virtual entertainment and comic book convention of sorts. Um, the actual website is just dcfandom.com. Uh, so you can go there and, you know, watch everything and it's for free. And like I said, it starts at, uh, it lasts for 24 hours. Um, and it's really cool. You know, they're going to have so many different things featured, they're going to show a, a legit teaser for uh, Zack Snyder's version of Justice League that's going to come out next year on HBO Max, which I'm exo- excited for. Um, I can't wait for that because, you know, I mean, Justice League, as it was the Joss Whedon version, it, it was okay. You know, I, I'm I'm able to sit I through it. I liked it. Yeah, Beck liked it. I was able to sit through it and watch it, but it lacked. And so I, I, I'm really excited to see Zack Snyder's finished version of it because I really liked Batman vs Superman. I liked Man of Steel. Um, the other stuff that he's done in that universe, you know, I really like his vision for it. So um, I'm excited to see that. Um, they're also going to have a trailer. I believe they're going to have a trailer anyway for James Gunn's. Suicide Squad 
sequel called The Suicide Squad. And that's exciting because um, James Gunn, for those of you who don't know, directed Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. He's an incredible director. Should be a really, really good movie. <clears throat> um, they're also going to feature uh, the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. Uh, they're going to be talking about that. Um, it'd be really awesome if they show a trailer, but I don't think that, you know, the filming got kind of held up again because of COVID. So they're supposed to actually resume filming next month, but that's still pretty exciting, you know, and then they're going to talk about, you know, video games and various DC television properties, comic books, you name it. So it's a total geek fest. Uh, should be really, really exciting all the way around. And uh, <clears throat> if you're inclined to think that way and enjoy that kind of thing, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, I, I plan on spending some time watching it uh, at, at some point today. So, yeah. Yeah, so it should be pretty cool. So, I'm going to subject uh, my back to it. Yeah, well, I'll watch some of it, but I'm not going to sit there and watch every minute of it with you. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> and then <clears throat> the other thing going on uh, tomorrow night is uh, WWE SummerSlam, which is like their WrestleMania for the summer. And a lot of you know that we are really big wrestling fans. We've had um, Mauro Ranallo and uh, Diamond Dallas Page both on the show, yep. which were both really exciting shows for us. Yes. And um, it's a little bit sad, though, for me right now, because I don't think I've watched Raw, in, you know, on, on time at 8 p.m. on a Monday in more than a year. Yeah. You know, because even before they stopped being able to have audiences, it just the product they were turning out just wasn't up to standards for me. Yeah. Lots of stuff that I found really annoying that I couldn't seem to tolerate. You know, and they're starting to do that kind of thing again now. And it's hard because, you know, I am such a fan and I do know a lot about wrestling. But, you know, if it if it's just garbage and it's just not entertaining to watch, I just, I can't waste my time with it. Yeah, and that's not to say that there haven't been some good matches yeah, over there the past been. year. There have been. We've seen some excellent matches. But uh, you know, Drew McIntyre is fantastic. Yeah, I am so impressed with him. The first time around, he had this badass entrance music mm-hmm. that got me so pumped up every time he came out. And then he would kind of get in the ring, and it would sort of fall flat. Yeah, because he wasn't, you know, as up to par as they were trying to say he was. Yeah. So and I'm glad he came back because. Yeah, he had a chance to to work out all of that mm-hmm. stuff <clears throat> that he needed to work out. Right. He got the experience that he needed. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we're excited for that. He's currently the WWE champion, so he's uh, going to have a, a good match tomorrow night against Randy Orton, and that should be a good watch. Um, the, another good watch should be uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt against Braun Strowman. Um if you know, I know if you're not into wrestling, your eyes are probably glazing over right now, and I apologize for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, That'll just be the last thing we talk about. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's 
Oh, no, there's, there's going to be a lot of matches tomorrow night, and it should be, at least for part of the night anyway, it should be an entertaining watch. Mm-hmm. So if you have WWE Network, you know you get it for free. Um, otherwise, you have to pay the exorbitant pay-per-view price. I think if you're, <clears throat> I'm not 100% sure, but they've been doing this for all the other shows. If you're a new subscriber, then you get this pay-per-view for free. So check into WWE Network because mm-hmm. um, you could possibly see it for free completely. Like we pay a monthly fee for the WWE Network. It's minimal. But it's, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. So, okay, that's enough blah 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 So let's get on to the show. Absolutely. Yeah. So our guest today is an author a podcaster, and a mental health advocate. It's also his second time on our show, and we're very happy to have him back to talk about what he's working on right now. So please give a hearty, hearty for Mr. Jay Chirino. I'm tapping myself over here, yeah. (laughs) Good morning, guys. Good to talk to you again. Good to have you back, sir. How you been? (laughs) Uh, you know, same as everybody else, I guess. Uh, but I got to tell you, Joe, that I was just listening to you, and I do have to agree with you uh, that Justice League had so much potential, right? Um, I was expecting so much out of it. And it was good enough, but not good enough, if you know what I mean, right? Like, it left Absolutely. you, it left you kind of, uh yeah, it's it's good, but I want a little more out of it, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah, excited as you are to see uh, to see what they do next. Yeah, the, the, there was just a a little bit too much cheese in it. Correct. You know, and when you go from how serious Batman vs Superman was and how serious Man of Steel was, you know, I I, I get the DC execs were kind of freaked out because, you know, they look at the, um, the success of the Marvel, the Marvel universe, yeah. and, you know, and cause they're, I have yet to see a dud for Marvel. Uh, just, Oh no, they, me they, they, they got that combination down. I mean, they, they have this mm-hmm. secret down pack and Marvel, you know, and it's something exactly. that DC, I don't and, think has, has figured out yet, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing is I think if they let Zach do what Zach does, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's funny because when Batman vs Superman came out, you know, it was it was bagged on, it was panned, you know, they they uh, you you see the memes online of Sad mm-hmm. Affleck finding out that the movie hadn't performed, but you know, a few years removed from from it, and people rave about it, and especially his performance yeah. as Batman. You know, yeah. and now I think they, I think the people appreciate what Zach did with that movie, and that's why they were so, uh, so much pushing for his version of Justice League. I agree, and, and you know, I like Batman versus Superman from the very beginning. I think that, mm-hmm. well, it happens every time there's a new Batman. I, I don't know if you've noticed, people always hate on it. And, you know, they mm-hmm. say that it's not the same as Michael Keaton, you know, 
um, but you know, I think I think so far every actor has brought its own spice into it, you know, and, and performed it in a way that um, it's uh, it's different and and refreshing. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I think Ben Affleck did a fine job. You know, I, Batman is like my ultimate superhero to me because it's all I knew when I was a kid. And um, watching the cartoons, you know, Batman was this, this very serious, brooding guy, you know, that mm-hmm. had, you know, a lot of issues, you know. <laughs> and he kind of took those issues out on the on the bad guys. And I think Affleck yeah. did a, a good job. Um, portraying that, and you know, I, I enjoy Batman versus Superman a lot. It had its flaws, um, but overall, it was yeah. a great movie. And and now, looking forward to Robert Pattinson. Oh man, that Batmobile! Have you seen the pictures of the Batmobile? Yeah, it looks pretty sweet. It oh pretty man, sweet. Looks, I, I gotta, uh, I, <clears throat> I gotta say, I think he's gonna do a good job with it. You know, um, he he is that right combination of brooding and mm-hmm. uh chiseled chin. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm not a big Twilight yeah. fan, but you know, it's it is what it is. I think he's gonna do great. <laughs> yeah. Funny that you mentioned that because right. that's what we were watching yesterday. <laughs> oh really? Does yeah, it still hold up? Because I saw it in the beginning, but it holds up for me. I mean I'm not okay. I'm not like one of those you know, 40-year-old moms that has, like, the, I'm on Team Jacob or Team Edward or whatever. You know, I'm not, can't fit me into that. I'm, I am 40-something, yeah. but she can't fit me into the mom thing. Um, yeah. But I'm, I watched all four of the movies yesterday just, just to have five? Five, all five movies okay. yesterday. Just just to have something else to, to do with um, my time because, we mm-hmm. it's a long story i i struggle with with watching something and then repeatedly watching it over and over and over again for months on end well i do the same it's, thing it's comforting to me and it's mm-hmm. it's yep. not there's no surprises i know what i'm going to get and you know i watch stuff like orange is the new black which is different every episode of the season and you don't really, it's not, not something that you memorize. Well, I wouldn't go that far as much. I think we watched it enough now that I've certainly memorized it. Well, I don't, there's some episodes where I could say that I have some memorization going, but a lot of them, I I can't sit there and say, okay, this is going to happen next for sure. You know, it's not, it's not like that, but I remember some of the lines or whatever, but yeah. Um you know, so I get I get stuck in in that kind of uh rut where I'm just sort of watching the same thing over and over again and you know, last year around this time it was The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm watching and, that now. Oh my god, what a great show. I read both books. And um Oh, you read the both show books? Is, it, yeah, The Testament is the second one that came out uh uh-huh. not too long ago. Um, it's not as good as the first as the first book. I think the first book is absolutely genius. Um yeah. but mm. it's it's still a great read for sure. And the okay. show holds up. Yeah. You know, the show holds up to to the books. But it's yeah, so I can't funny wait that for you it to say that. Back. For sure. Um 
but it's so funny that you say that, Rebecca, because when I was going through, um, you know, that like the hardest, the hardest times in my life with the depression and I didn't know what was wrong with me and all that stuff, I became obsessed with the Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you guys have ever mm-hmm. seen that show. Um, oh, yeah. And I would, to to me, like my comfort was to rewatch all the shows. I had all the seasons on DVD. And my wife at the time would be like, why are you watching this again? It's like the 20th time, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> I felt the same way. Like it was comforting to me because there were no surprises. I knew what was going on. It was funny and refreshing enough to where I enjoyed it every time. And it was almost like I I was becoming part of the show, you know, like I was getting out of my situation and putting myself on with these characters and knowing what was already going on. It was like I, I was creating my own destiny, if that, can, if that even makes any sense. Sorry if that doesn't make any yeah. sense to some people. <laughs> but, no, you know, and I've <laughs> no. I've watched I've watched the first like four seasons, which were the ones where I was feeling at, at my worst. I, I would say a hundred times to be a, a a low number, to be honest with you. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, you're you're definitely not the only one. Uh, you know, Beck and by osmosis me, um, we've. <laughs> spent the better part of a, a couple of years rewatching a, a couple of different shows and it's you know it's completely a comfort thing it's a it's a mm-hmm. you you're able to detach from all the ugliness that is going on and surrounding us especially this year and you know that's uh um you know it, it's it's People that aren't stuck in that don't understand it, but, you know. Those... I found this a lot more common yeah. than I thought it was. Like, I really thought I was on an island by myself with the whole thing, but when I've mentioned it on Twitter, I've had a lot of people come forward and say, oh, yeah, I do that too with this, that, and the other wow. thing. And, um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's a, it's more a, common. Yeah, it's a common coping mechanism, which is, yeah. you know – it's a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, it's sometimes it's, it's good to be able to just come home and detach and throw on, you know, whatever your current old reliable is and, and just unplug from life. There are days sometimes it's frustrating though. Yeah. You know, where you're kind of sitting there like, all right, I should be able to watch something else, something else. <laughs> should interest me at this point and you just can't seem to turn the channel. Yeah. So I've been yeah. through that for a while. Yeah, and I think it's, so, it's probably it's the probably it's probably the same coping mechanism as maybe alcohol and drugs, right? Like, you know, some people turn yeah. into those. I mean I did myself and and you know that, you know you're gonna escape for a while, you know, and, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for mm-hmm. cessation of the anxiety and cessation of the pain, and and you know that these chemicals in your brain are gonna are gonna be able to do that at least for a little while, and and you need it so desperately that you don't care about the consequences the next day, you just want to get rid of the pain today, and 
And I think, you know, this is a milder form of that when you know that when you lock in to something that you're familiar with and that it brings you joy, uh, your brain somehow is going to generate those same chemicals and, you know, make you forget for a little while what what's really going on in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. like I, I agree with you. I think it's a lot better to watch a TV show a hundred times and to find all the coping mechanisms. Um Right, but yeah. I think the, the 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 chemical structure, maybe the the things that happen in your brain when you're doing it, are probably very similar to one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would go along with that. Absolutely. So, we're going to jump into our questions now. <laughs> now that we're 20 minutes into our show, how's that sound, Jay? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Cool. All right. So for those of our listeners that are not familiar with your story, would you give us a little background as to where your mental health journey began? It began a long time ago. I was eight years old the first time I really got kicked in the face by depression. Um, I was going through a tough time in school and, you know, getting bullied, all that stuff. I was an only child, didn't know. What was really going on? And one day I just woke up and I was like, I can't, I can't even move. Like, I can't do this. And uh, Mm -hmm. of course, my parents were like, what the, you know, what are you talking about? And I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know what it was. All I knew is was the sadness that I felt overtook everything else. Um, and I was in bed for probably like three weeks. I had to get taken out of school, all that stuff. And um, and mm. after that, you know, I kind of got back to normal, but it always kind of stuck with me, you know. And then as a teenager, mm. uh, we came to the United States. It was a humongous change for us. Um, that, that, that gloom was kind of always in the back of my head, um, even though I couldn't. You know, I didn't really tell anyone. Um, and then I, mm-hmm. you know, around 16, 17 years old, I discovered alcohol. And I was like, wow, so this is why people drink. It takes all the anxiety away. <laughs> you know, and obviously <laughs> I, um, you know, got a problem with that for many years, got married a couple of times, got divorced. Um, until finally I just kind of broke down for a while and, you know, my life completely fell apart. Uh, with addiction and mental health problems and depression. And, um, you know, it came to a point where I was at, I mean, you never know what your bottom is, right, until you reach it. But I felt like I was at the bottom. And um, mm-hmm. and I had to make a decision. I'm going to either get better or I'm going to die. You know, and it was when I made that decision to get better and to really research and study what was wrong with me and how to get better, um, that I started slowly getting better. Not to say that the depression and the anxiety are not there. Um, I think that will always be there, but you just learn how to manage it better. So, you know, I went, um, had a lot of therapy. I was in the hospital for a while. And and all those experiences led me to discover that we don't, talk enough about mental health. We, as a society, seem to uh, just sweep it under the rug 
you know, and there's so many people struggling mm-hmm. out there and they can't even talk about it because it's not the norm. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to say, I'm, I don't feel well. And it's not because my body hurts, but it's because my mind hurts. Um, so I wrote my first book, The Flawed Ones, in regards to that and in regards to some of the greatest people I've ever met um, that have mental health problems, but it didn't take away who they were as human beings. And it didn't take away the goodness out of their hearts. And um, that's when I started, you know, understanding the stigma of mental illness and understanding the taboo that surrounds mental illness. And I just wanted to do a little bit to try to, you know, take away some of that, um, some of that stigma. And here we are. Mm -hmm. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's um, you know, and 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 you you make a really good point. It made me think of something too, and that's that, you know, some of us, you know, you there's there is that taboo of talking about it, and you don't want to talk about it, or you don't want to show your weakness or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. A danger that I've seen is because obviously we talk about it. Right, you talk about it. Back and I talk uh-huh. about it, or everybody that we've had on the show talks about it. When one of us is struggling, thinking to ourselves, "Well, if I say something, it's going to raise all these red flags. People are going to freak out. This and that. I I already know what I'm dealing with, and I know what I need to do to get better. So I'm going to keep it to myself and not say anything." Um, I've actually, personally speaking, I've done that a few times where I've had days where I might be struggling, but I think to myself, well, I don't, I don't want to say anything, you know, um, I don't want to go through all the, uh, you know, all the steps that go with turning this thought around, you know, which can sound scary, you know, and it is, you know, but eventually I know for me personally, I'm, I'm able to get work through it and get past what I'm, what I might be experiencing in that moment in time. Um, sometimes we can't. You know, and sometimes the, those are the times when you you seek out, you know, a friend, a loved one, a significant other, a doctor, a therapist, and get it off your chest. You know, um, absolutely being being able to do that. You know, but yeah, when <clears throat> when it's a situation like us where you know we do talk about it all the time, you know, you know everything that goes along with that conversation. So, you know. Absolutely. And and I think this, you know, 2020 is a perfect representation of, um, you know, us as a society and as a culture uh, trying to ignore um, or, or hide uh, the mental repercussions of what we're going through. You know, if you think about it, I don't know about you guys. You guys may be a little more involved, but in all this time, in all this month, I have 
maybe read one article that has to do uh, with the mental health repercussions of what we're going through. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, whether we should be wearing masks or not, which is obviously a political thing. And, you know, I, I, I don't listen to that. You know, you got to use your common sense and obviously know what's better for you. But um, mm-hmm. we don't talk about what people are going through right now, stuck in their homes, losing their jobs, not knowing what the future of the country is, not knowing what's really going on, right? Because there's so much information out there, so much conflict that even mm-hmm. I sometimes go, do I really know what 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 the heck is happening here? You know, and it has, yeah. a, we know it has a humongous toll on people's mental health and mental well-being. And yet it's something that I rarely hear anyone talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it it hasn't been I mean, it's been talked about in our circles, but beyond that, you know, you you throw on you know, the nightly news or you throw on whatever press conference is going on for that day uh concerning COVID and the mental health aspect of it, not only the effect it's having on those of us that are afflicted, but people that are quote unquote normal um mm-hmm. are now are now seeing this impact to them as well. And yet you're not hearing about it. You know, it's not you know when it is discussed it's it's touched on briefly and then they move right along to the next thing. And you know being able to help these people realize it's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to talk about what you're going through. Um, that's an important message to get through, especially to men. You know, uh, traditionally, sure. you know, men have a harder time talking about their feelings and what they're going through than than women do. And that's not to say that women don't have a hard time with it. They do. Um, it's just it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, oh, go ahead, Jay. Oh, no, I was just going to say that, you know, it, it has to be really tough. It's tough for us that have been suffering for a while to talk about it and to discover that we can talk about it. So imagine how tough it must be to someone that's never experienced it to the level that they might be experiencing it now, um, to actually talk about it and to say, I may have a problem here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that, that just popped in my head, like, you know, how tough it is for, for me, for example, that I have been struggling with this my entire life, uh, to actually open up at almost 30 years of age and say, I need help. Um, so, yeah, we, we you know, it's it's sad that it's not being talked about enough anymore, and I think that it's up to mm-hmm. us you know, to try to make a difference in that area and to to really let people know that it's okay, you know, that it's okay to talk about it, that it's okay to seek help, and that it's okay to yeah. feel that way when we're going through the mess that we're going right now and the uncertainty is so huge. Um, so, yeah, that just popped in my head. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hashtag keep talking mental health. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, hey, on that note, we're going to take a break. Um 
Okay. We'll be back in a few minutes. We're going to be listening to Wanderer by Matt Stern. Stay tuned, you guys, and we'll see you uh, after this. Song's over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. Uh, I'm Joe. She's Rebecca. I'm embarrassed. Shocked. She's shocked. I'm embarrassed. And uh, <laughs> hi. Um, <laughs> we're on the line with uh, <clears throat> the lovely and talented Mr. Jay Chirino. Hello. How's it going, sir? 
Hello. Um, oh, it's and, Saturday morning. It's raining outside. You know, it's, oh, a, it's it a perfect time. Oh, yeah, it's been raining every day. Um, usually, you know, when I get out of work, uh, I get out of work around 530 in the afternoon, and it never fails. It's a beautiful day. Sunny outside, the birds are singing, and then at 5.25, as I am walking towards my car, you know, (laughs) the rain starts pouring down like if God just dropped a bucket on my head. And, and yeah, it's it's a good time. You know, I don't have to take showers when I get home. I'm already uh, fairly clean. (laughs) And, uh, And on the weekends, so that's during the weekdays. On the weekends, when I want to do something in the morning time, because hey, I don't have I don't have to go anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Florida goes no, 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 no. It's uh, it's water time, and it starts <laughs> raining very early in the morning. So it's uh, it's a good time to live in this state. <laughs> <laughs> there's a <clears throat> there's a morning show here, and. Uh, I listen to it every day, and it's called Dave and Chuck the Freak. And it's, they've actually got it down in Florida. I think it's in Tampa. Uh, I forget where else they have it. And one of the cool. segments they have is called, Man, Florida's Messed Up. <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll highlight something that has happened that day, you know, with Florida. You know, some guy steals something and hijinks ensue and, and whatnot. And um, it's, it's funny as all get out, but uh, yeah, w- without fail every day, they've, they've got something to say about you guys. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, put, <laughs> I play this little game to where I'm reading the news and whenever I see something out of the norm or something, you know, just weird, I go, Florida, right? Like I, I'm in my head. I'm like that has to be Florida, and then I look at the news, and I'm like, "Yep, confirm." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're all we all got it, but for some reason, <laughs> you guys got it worse. So, the best. um, you've been a, you've been a writer most of your life. Where does your passion for writing come from? You know, I. Since I was very little, I remember that my mom uh, had an old typewriter um, in in the house, and I was mesmerized with the way that, uh, you know, the the clickety-clickety sound of the typewriter, you know, it, it was just something that always, you know, caught my attention. So I would pretend to write books on it and... Um, I, I did actually sometimes write little short stories and stuff like that, and they kind of took me away from kind of like we were talking about a little earlier about the TV shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Writing a story for me when I was young uh, took me away from my reality and into that story itself, and it was exciting, you know. Um, it was kind of like going on a journey myself, and I think that um, – as I grew older, that also became a coping mechanism. I remember that when I was in high school and I was going through the first uh, girl trouble, you might call it, you know, of, <laughs> of the teenage years, I would write a lot of poetry. I would write a lot of little short stories. I would write a lot of letters. 
I remember being in math class in probably ninth or tenth grade and my teacher yelling at me because I was writing poetry under the desk in math class. And it was the only thing at that time that made me really um, escape for a little bit. So I, I, I think that a coping mechanism like that to me was it was always there. And as I grew older, I just, you know, I, I started to really find a passion for it. And the more I read, the more books I read, the more passionate I became about the written word. And, you know, it just took off from there. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, with me with the guitar playing and, you well, know, when you, when you get inspired to write something, you know, it just, there's, it's like a lightning bolt out of the blue. It just yes. hits you, bam, and, and you can't fight it. You you have to act on it. You know, uh, in your case, you're writing it down. In my case, maybe I'm recording it. You know, or or trying to write out the sheet music to it or something. But yeah. you know, it's one of those things where you have to act on it right then and there. Yeah. Have you guys um, ever read the book The War of Art? No. Mm-mm. Um, it's a, It was by a very famous writer um, that wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance. I don't remember his name now. Um, okay. But in the, it's a very short book. I highly recommend you, since you guys are creative people, to read it. Um, because in the book, he explains how the creative process is almost like, like a muse, you know, like, like, a, like an entity mm-hmm. within itself. And, and when that entity uses you, to create something, the most important thing that you can do is to get out of the way and let it do its thing through you. You know, and when yeah. you were talking about the music, that's the way it feels. It feels like you got to regurgitate something that's inside of you. You don't really know what it is yet, but you have to either make it into music, put it into paper, and um, and just create something that's not really coming from within you it feels like it's coming from another place. You're just being used almost like a tool, like a bridge to let mm-hmm. that out and, and create it. So that's very cool that you guys feel the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done that with lyrics. I've done that with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, music that I've written and had some really, really good results come from that, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah. My, my mom and dad had a little hmm. black typewriter, that little old metal clicky-clacky one, mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. obsessed with it. And then eventually my dad moved on to an electric typewriter, and I just was completely obsessed with the, the sound effects of it. <laughs> yeah. Ding! Well, that's the best. Yeah, it was, it was great. So I, I totally am with you there, Jay. I've considered going on eBay and buying like a vintage typewriter just just to have it and just to have fun with it. To be honest, <laughs> I'll probably end yeah. up doing it someday. Yeah, that'd be cool. My mom had an electric typewriter that I used to use for like when I had to type up a report or something for school. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. This is right before we got our first computer and printer. The ribbon wore out on the mm-hmm. typewriter and the only ribbon we could get our hands on was green. <laughs> oh, so I'd be 
I'd be turning in these typed out reports and they'd be in green and the teacher would just look at me like, what the hell's the matter with you? Well, and those ribbons, I used to wear out my dad's whiteout. And he used to get so mad at me. He'd go to sit down to type out an envelope or something and his the the correction part of the tape was all worn out. And, oh, he used to get pissed at me. <laughs> hey, Jay, uh, you're, uh, you're working. <laughs> yeah, you're working on a new book. What is it called, and what is it about? So it's a work in progress. So the the title is uh, also a work in progress. But again, I started with the same questions that we were just talking about. Like, what you know? What are the what are the consequences mentally and physically of being stuck indoors? You know, of living in a world where you know everything. Everything uh, evolves uh, evolves you being inside, and um, I kind of came up with this idea of a quarantine that would never end. You know that for mm. whatever reason you you had to be stuck indoors for the rest of your life, and and how would that affect a person? What would the changes be? Um, how would the world look like if, you know, you couldn't go outside anymore? And it was just a, it started with that idea and then it kind of evolved into a kind of dystopian novel, you know, that reminds me kind of a little bit like 1984, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. It's been really fun to write. I'm, I'm probably about 65% of the way there. Um, hopefully planning on releasing it by, if not end of the year, uh, beginning of next year. Uh, but I wanted to mix the, the fun of it, the fun of maybe a science fiction kind of world, uh, but still tie it to what we're going through now and, and make people relate to it. Um, and almost as a warning as well of, you know, if we're not careful, this is where we could end up. Um, you know, yeah. we've, seen, yeah. we've seen some really some really weird things happened this year that we didn't expect at all. That if you would have told me, like, for example, I went to New York with my son a year and a half ago, and he absolutely loved it. We had a great time. And I was thinking, if somebody would have told me, hey, in a year and a half from now, this is not going to exist anymore, you know, I would have laughed in their faces. This is New York City. What are you talking about? This is the best city in the world, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And then here we are, you know, so I kind of wanted to to write about that and and my fears of where we could end up um, if we're not careful. And uh, right now, the working title is is Quarantine Perpetual. Uh, But, you know, again, it it could change. um, It could change in a few months. But, but yeah, it's been really fun and scary to to write so far. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, people are either going to love this or hate it because they're so tired of the quarantine issue already. Um, but either way, yeah. I felt like I had to write it. And, and I, I wanted to also, again, put in there um, the mental health issues that a person will go through, you know, living a life that we're not meant to live, you know, as human beings since the very beginning, We've been roaming the earth. We've been exploring. We've been traveling. We've been discovering new places. And I think that it's against our 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 genetics, basically. 
uh, to be stuck mm-hmm. in one place without being able to uh, to get out. So I wanted to explore that a little more as well. And, and like I said, it, it's been really fun. So hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully some people will enjoy it. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. That's a, it's a really cool Sounds subject. Like a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny because it, it kind of, you know, you, you really speak to something with the being stuck in one place thing. Uh, you know, you think about the nomadic tribes of the past that would just, you know, wander and follow their food around and stuff. And then mm-hmm. you contrast that with, say, somebody being stuck in prison for, mm-hmm. you know, five, ten years. You know, and you've got this finite area that you're able to go in when you're in prison and you know we we can speak to that just based on our recent television viewing but um you know the it's like you know like the line in the song you know the standing standing still is hard you know Mm -hmm. um trying to stay in one place and we've shown you know people have shown they can't do it you know Uh, cracks me up when you see you know, you always see that meme where it shows like a desert island or it shows a big mansion and it says, you know, for a million dollars, you know, could you live here without, you know, X, Y, and Z for a year or six months or what have you. And everybody's always like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. It's like, no, you, you can't. The pandemic has shown that you can't stay in one spot, you know. So that's just kind of a funny well, realization on that so we're we're social, you know, for lack of a better word, we're social animals. You know, our survival mm-hmm. has always depended on being part of a tribe or being part of a group. Um, and I think that, you know, that carry has carried on with us throughout the years that, you know, in order to survive physically and mentally, we have to be around other people or at least be able to have the freedom to, you know, to move around when we need to. That's why solitary confinement is, is such a is such a torture for some for some inmates, you know. Um, yeah. And sometimes what we're going through does feel like solitary confinement. Um, so yeah. so yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent Awesome. It's nice to be agreed with. <laughs> I've been asking all the questions. You ask a question. All right, I will ask a question. Okay. Um, so your first book was called The Flawed Ones, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe tell people where they might be able to pick it up? Absolutely. So the last time I was in the hospital where, you know, I was in a psychiatric unit for, I think it was four days, The, the, the days all blended together, so I don't really remember, but, um, you know that that's when I really decided to. I decided that I wouldn't. I didn't want to be in that place anymore. You know that I I either had to get help and get better or or die. You know, and I thought that as I was there, I was like, I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna work on myself. You know, I'm gonna take um, all the feedback that I can from the doctors, and you know, I'm gonna continue on with my therapy after this and and go from there. And yet what really made a bigger impact on me were the people that I was in there with, 
you know, some mm. people that were very, very sick, uh, some people that had the most unbelievable stories. Um, and when I got out of there, I, you know, I, I had two thoughts. I was like, it's so sad that nobody will ever hear, you know, the world will never hear these people's stories and, and who they were because just of their mental condition. And um, and I immediately said, I have to write. I have to write this. I have to write it down, not only about my experience, but about them, you know, and about how wonderful some of these people were, even though they were very, very sick, you know. And sometimes we think, oh, if a person has a mental health condition, they're crazy, you know, or they're insane or whatever other label we want to utilize. But looking deeper into it, their hearts were as pure and as wonderful as, as any other quote-unquote normal human being. And um, some, people, some people ask me, well, why do you call the books the flawed ones then if, if you know, you're saying that they're not flawed? And as you write the book, you start to, I hope you start to realize that when you talk about or what I mean by the flawed ones is actually humanity in itself meaning that we're mm -hmm. all the same. We all have quirks and differences and maybe flaws here or there, but that doesn't define who we are as human beings, not even if we have a chronic mental health condition. Um, you know, and that was a message that I, I attempted to relay in the book and, and tell some of this, this people's story along with myself. And, um, you know, it, it was an amazing project to 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 do and and to finish and to uh, have so many people enjoy and hopefully get some benefit out of it. Uh, right mm -hmm. now, I, I can actually, um, uh, people can actually download the book for free if they go to thefloodones.com. Um, I've been giving it away for free for some time, um, you know, and they, they can enjoy it there. If they rather buy a, you know, a physical copy of the book, they can just go on Amazon and search for the flawed ones and it will be there. But either way, if, you know, they don't have the money to do so and they want to download it for free, uh, they can just go to the flawed ones, and uh, it's available. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we are getting low on time, sir, which sucks because wow. we're having an awesome conversation. I know. I know. It just it didn't flies feel like an hour at all. <laughs> no. No, it didn't. You know, well, talking about Batman, we'll do that. <laughs> That was the best part. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so really quick, uh, give everybody your social media in case they want to reach out to you or, you know, say hi or, you know, ask what you're having for, for lunch or something. Absolutely. I am I am more than willing to go out to lunch with any stranger that reaches out to me, so please do. <laughs> uh, at, at, at the Flawed Ones on Twitter, um, at Flawed ones on Instagram, um, actually on Facebook. I don't even know. Sorry, guys. Give me one second. Uh, again, at the flawed ones on Facebook. Uh, they can also reach me at my website jtorino.com, um, and um, you know they can email me at j at the flawed ones .com and I'll be happy to reply back. And I'll, I have. Have at least some coffee with some strangers. That sounds like a lot of fun. When the when the pandemic is over, not right now, but we yeah. can set it up yeah, right now. maybe next year. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's great, sir. Well, we are going to wrap things up. You stay on the line. And everybody okay. else there in Radio Land, you're going to be listening to the song Your Magic by Matt Stern. Thanks for tuning in today. And we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. You are the best thing. You hold my heart inside your hands. Your magic. You make me crazy. Your touch it makes me lose my head. Tragic. It's all over That's what you said It's all finished Gonna lay in bed And tell your friends They can leave when they want to Yeah.